Amen. If you have your Bible tonight and you would, uh, find with me Matthew, the 15th chapter. And as you're finding that, uh, the first Sunday of the year might not be special to you, uh, but the first Sunday of, of the year is always very special to me. Uh, this will be my beginning of my 11th year here, and uh, my first day was January the 1st, 2012. That was a Sunday, and uh, it's amazing how you remember things like that. Uh, my first hospital visit as the pastor of this church was Angie McEwen. I believe you had had surgery on the second, uh, I think it was, or we're in the hospital uh, at the old uh, Crossroads Hospital. Uh, I'm pretty sure the first family that ever joined after I became the pastor was, I think, Lucas Jones and his family. They were the first family that ever visited as I was the pastor. Thankfully, not the last. And uh, uh, But it's just amazing how you, you think back over time and think so many things I wish I could do differently, uh, so many things I wouldn't do differently. Uh, I know one thing, I just talked a lot less. And I don't mean during the sermons, but I mean... Uh, a lot over the last 10 years, but, and so it's always a privilege uh, to preach, and, and, um, and so just, just a really special Sunday for, for me and my family, but uh, in Matthew, the 15th chapter, we're starting in verse 29 tonight, and, and we were together on the 5th um, as we were going through the book of Matthew, and we looked at the Gentile woman and her faith and how uh, she had a child that... Um, uh, was demon-possessed, and she came to the Lord, and he said, you know, I I'm here for the Jewish people, and uh, I it's for them. And, and if you remember, she said, yes, but don't even the dogs uh, get the crumbs uh, that fall from the table, and her faith, and how that dramatic event, uh, that very uh, moment, that very hour, she was healed. And we talked about real faith, and what real faith does. And not I want to continue on, uh, in this chapter, as this morning I talked to you a little bit about mercy for the new year, uh, I really hope tonight that I can talk to you about um, keeping the main things uh, the main things. Uh, and if you would tonight, stand with me out of reverence to the reading of God's Word. Um, Matthew, the 15th chapter, starting in verse 29. We'll be reading through verse 39. Jesus departed from there skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great <clears throat> multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitudes marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. 
So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who were eight were four thousand men besides women and children, and he sent away the multitude, got into the boat, and came to the region of Magdala. Pray with me. Father, tonight as we come, Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, that it is true and that it is perfect in every way. Father, tonight I pray that as I speak from your word tonight, Lord, that you would give me power and unction and clarity, Lord, that I do not have on my own. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take the words that are set and, Lord, the scripture that is read and, Father, change hearts and lives. Father, I thank you for the wonderful privilege to proclaim your word to your people. And so, Father, I ask it all tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. And so tonight, if you're looking here, you're thinking, well, this sounds very familiar to what we've been looking at. Jesus healing, Jesus feeding, uh, Jesus working and moving. And tonight, you're very right. If you flip back to chapter 14, you will see that Jesus uh, fed 5,000. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But the first thing that I want to show you tonight is this simple truth that I hope that we can keep the main thing, the main thing, is that hurting people still need Jesus. Hurting people still need Jesus. Now, look there in that passage of Scripture with me as we look in verses 29 through 31. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. Tonight I hope that you know that hurting people still need Jesus. Whether those hurts are physical, whether those hurts are spiritual, whether those pains are emotional, God is the only hope for the world that we are living in. God is the only hope for people who are hurting and broken. You say, Jake, if people just had more uh, physical therapy, if they just had more occupational therapy, if they just had more uh, sessions with a skilled counselor, all those things are wonderful. And I recommend all of those. But what people need is really a touch from the master. People need an encounter with Jesus Christ to change their life. And uh, uh, if you read through this, if you're like me, a lover of old music, you probably can think about the song that uh, uh, talks about the miracles of Jesus. And, and he's talking about it. And he said, if you don't believe me, just ask the blind man because he saw it all. And so when you read this list of of miracles here, you see the lame and the blind and the mute and the maimed and many others. And so it's a, a direct correlation back to the Old Testament about what Jesus would be doing, what the Messiah would be doing, how lives would be changed, how futures would be altered. But I also want you to know something from this today that look here in verse 31. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. People were rejoicing in what God had done. And this morning, this evening, if I could give you one challenge, it is this. Never stop declaring 
what God has done in your life. It doesn't matter how many times people have heard your testimony, heard your story, heard how God has worked in your life. Continue to share what God has done for you and through you. Because even though there are people who have a need, the only way they're going to know that God can meet that need is if someone tells them that there is a God who can meet their needs. But sometimes it takes more than just telling them. Look there in the middle of this passage of Scripture in verse 30 after it talks about the lame and the blind and the mute and the maimed and many others. And what? They laid them down at Jesus' feet. There were some people that they could point to Jesus. There were some people they could lead to Jesus. And there were some people that had to be carried to Jesus. And so tonight, I don't know what those people are like in your life, but there are some people who you could talk to about Jesus, tell them about Jesus, and they will want to know more about Jesus. Sometimes you'll have to lead people by the hand slowly. It wasn't like the blind man and whoever was leading him were running up the mountain. Right? They weren't running up the side of the hill. They were probably going very slow. Don't step on that rock there. Don't trip here. Well, wait, there's people in front of us. There's, there's someone past us. And so you could get this picture of leading the blind person. But what about the one who had the maimed legs and was crippled and could not walk? He couldn't be led. He couldn't be pointed. He had to be carried. And tonight, even though we have a God who could meet people's needs, we have a God who wants us to talk about how he has met our needs. Never quit bringing people <coughs> to Jesus. Excuse me. Never quit praying. Never quit leading. Never quit inviting. Never quit sharing <coughs> who Jesus is and what he can do in their life. Because why? Hurting people are going to exist until the Lord returns. Broken people are going to exist until the Lord comes. There is not going to be a removal of the problems of this world until Jesus destroys his enemies and makes all things right. And so whether it is your 8-year-old child, whether it is your 18-year-old child, whether it's your 38-year-old spouse, whether it's your 78-year-old parent, Whatever it is, and whoever it is, never forget the need that people have to meet Jesus. Second thing I want to show you tonight as we try to keep the main things, the main things is verse 32. That not only are hurting people needing to meet Jesus, Jesus has compassion on hurting people. Look what it says there in verse 32. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I did not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Did you notice here most of us would think he would be talking about having compassion on the maim and the lame and the blind, but he has compassion because they are hungry. And because they are so hungry, they might faint on the way home. I think this is two reasons. One, because it shows us the compassion that Jesus has. Not just on the major needs in our life. Not just the cancer diagnoses. Not just the life or death situations. But the very needs of our life. 
That's why Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread. It is the simple moment. That's why I'm, I don't do Atkins because literally he said daily bread. And so I'm going to eat as much of it as I can. But, you know, uh, you know, just being scriptural. So, but anyway, but it's the simple moments, right? How many times have you ever left church thinking, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, man, I hope I don't, I hope I don't pass out on the way on the way to the Dairy Queen, right? It's not a common thing for us. But imagine if we had been here for three days, right? You all are looking at the your watches at 11.30, right? Some of you have forgotten the, the noon sermons that we used to set through. But, um, but it's like, oh, I'm so hungry. But these people were watching God work. And they didn't want to leave. They didn't want to, to move. They were, they were so enamored by what God was doing. Can you imagine what it would have been like to just watch person after person bring someone to Jesus that had no hope and Jesus change everything? Can you imagine what it would have been like? Well, I think I'm going to go take a lunch break and I'm going to walk back to town and here comes a blind person. And you're thinking, well, I can't leave. This person's going to see. And then maybe it's a child that's, that's demon-possessed and you're thinking, well, I, I, I need to go to the bathroom, but this is the best part. And yes, God was at work and moving and teaching. But he had compassion over their needs. And tonight I really want to challenge us this in the new year. That if Jesus had compassion on the needs of others, so should we. You see, I believe the church has to do two things to make a difference in the lives of people. One, we have to try to meet the physical needs of our community. Whether that is a wheelchair ramp for an elderly person. Whether that is food for a child that doesn't have it. Whether it's clothes for those who don't have clothes. But yet we also have to make sure that what we are helping with and who we are helping understands the seriousness of it, the significance of it. And so tonight I really want to challenge you. Do you have compassion on people? Do you have compassion for people? Because the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, chapter 86, verse 15, I think we're going to have that verse up there. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. Don't miss that. Not only is He gracious and merciful, but it's also truth. That means it's not wrong to help someone to pay their electric bills, but also say, you know, there's a way that you are supposed to manage God's money. There's nothing wrong with helping a family who needs food, but also yet telling them the Bible says that you need to work. And so there's, there's truth and mercy and grace and love, but don't let the people who have manipulated you, the people who have taken advantage of you, cause you to grow cold in your compassion for other people. That's the one thing that I struggle with the most, I think, as a pastor, is watching the hundreds and hundreds of people who have come through these doors, who have been baptized, who's made professions of faith, and now have nothing to do with God at all. I'm not talking about going to church somewhere else or being in the ministry. I'm talking about people who made a profession of faith that Jesus has changed my life. He has, he has saved my soul. I've followed in baptism. I'm a different person. I'm going to live a different life. And then they're gone. And so I can become very skeptical and say, well, here's another one. Well, I guess I'll put all this effort and time into it and probably won't work out. God has to remind me, Jake, that's not your job. It's not my place. 
And so tonight I want to encourage you that not only do people need Jesus, not only is Jesus one who has compassion, but I want you to see this last thing. That our faith still wavers. You would think after seeing how many people delivered, you would see a God who cares about the needs of people, that the disciples, not the multitudes, would have faith like a mustard seed. Look at what it says in verse 33. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to feel such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven and a few little fish. I want you to notice a few things here about this miracle. One, they had just experienced this. Literally in chapter 14, Jesus had turned a few loaves of bread and a few fish into an amount that could feed what? 5,000 men plus women and children. So you would think when they were approached by their Lord about being hungry that they would say, man, this ain't no problem. You can do it. Lord, we've seen you do it. We know you can do it. And if you remember, they each actually got a basket left over the last time to take with them after it was over. And so there should be no issue here. God has done this in their presence. Jesus has worked these miracles before them. But yet, how many loaves do you had? And they said, seven and a few little fish. Do you notice something? That there is more food this time to work with than the last. There are less people that are fed than before. And there is more left over than the last time. I don't know if you noticed or not. It's still a magnificent miracle. But he has more to work with. Does less with what he had. And there is less left over. And I believe it is because of this. I believe it is because their faith was lacking. Their faith was wavering. I believe the Bible teaches us over and over again in the book of James and other places that you have not because you ask not. Or in the book of James, we looked at our Sunday school class about asking with doubt. You're like a man blown back and forth on the waves. And so tonight I really want to encourage you to remember what God has done for you in the past. Whether it is a situation in a relationship whether it's dealing with someone that seems far and hard from God, when it's someone in your own life that has hurt you or disappointed you in some way, how has God worked in those areas in the past? I would encourage you as this new year begins to begin prayer journaling. That means writing down the prayer requests that are brought to you and to watch how God works. That is the reason that I have kept prayer journals on all of you for 10 years. It's not just because I want to. It is amazing to me how God has worked in your lives. How people who, by doctor's standpoint, shouldn't be here today are here. How people who were lost and far from God now know Jesus and serve Him. How many marriages were falling apart, but yet God put them back together. How many times a marriage ended and it seemed that someone was hopeless until God brought someone into their path. The list is, goes on and on and on and on. And it's a wonderful reminder to me when I'm frustrated, when I'm discouraged, when I'm downtrodden to remember how God has worked, how God has moved. And so tonight I want to challenge you to write down and to remember 
the miraculous ways God has been faithful to you. And so after they answer him, the amount of fish in verse 35, he says, so he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and they took up seven large baskets, not 12, full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And he sent away the multitude, got into the boat and came to the region of Magdala. And so we see here that Jesus does this miracle. He is working and moving in these lives and they are satisfied. Tonight, I want you to notice that there is something significant about this story. Most likely, the region that Jesus ministered to in Matthew 14 would have been made up predominantly by Jewish people. The story that we've read tonight in Matthew 15, where he is at, most of the people witnessing this would have been Gentiles. And this is very significant tonight because when we see the book of Matthew we see so often how Jesus came to minister to the Jewish people. And we just left a passage of Scripture about literally Him telling a Gentile woman that, you know, I'm here for the Jews to a miracle that treats the Gentile people the same way as the Jewish. And it's because this, I believe the writer of Scripture is trying to show us that God is no respecter of persons. That God can work and move in my life. God can work and move in your life. It doesn't matter your nationality, your ethnicity, your, your gender. God can work in your life. Whether it was the Jew or the Gentile, God is able to do exceedingly great and mighty things in your life. And so we see this in this passage of Scripture here. It's not quite the same miracle. It looks a little different, but yet the results are the same that the people that were there were satisfied. And I want you to see that because it takes in verse 37 and says, so they all ate and were filled. They were satisfied. Their need had been met. But if you start this passage of Scripture and you look there in verse 30, it started with a multitude of people having what? Needs. Yet the story doesn't stop with the physical needs. It doesn't just stop with the miraculous needs. It finishes with people leaving satisfied. And tonight, that is my challenge to you in this new year, is are you satisfied with Jesus? Is Jesus really enough in your life? Can you honestly say tonight that I have a personal relationship with Jesus? Not just something I did in an altar when I was eight, not just something I experienced at church camp two years ago, but that today I know that I have a relationship with Jesus. I know today that I have a Savior who is alive and active in my life. Tonight I know that there is a God who is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know tonight that I have a God who hears me when I pray. I have a God that I know that will never leave me nor forsake me. 
I have a God that I know is compassionate and cares about my needs and my burdens and the things in my life that I cannot handle myself. Because tonight, if you leave here trying to fill that void with church attendance, or if you leave it trying to fill it with with uh, with accolades or self-gratification or or anything else, you will not leave satisfied. What was the one thing that would have satisfied the lame? No longer being lame. What's the one thing that would have satisfied the blind? Can you imagine if he showed up and said, I'm blind, I can't see, Lord. And he'd say, let me do some miracles. And, uh, and you still can't see, but, but you know, it was great. They would have left what? Disappointed. What about the one who was mute or maimed or many others? If they would have came expecting Jesus to work and move in their life and he would have done Nothing. You see, I'm afraid that many of us have served God so long and got into such a rut that we don't expect God to do things in our life. Long as he keeps a little food on the table, long as I can stand my spouse to live with me in the same house, as long as our children are fairly healthy, as long as I make enough to pay the bills, I've got everything I need and everything I want. And there's nothing wrong with being content. And you should be. And if that's really how you feel tonight, that's wonderful. But I don't believe that's how you ought to view your spiritual walk. Well, God's answered prayers in the past, so I probably ought to not pray anymore. Or I know God healed in the past, but I don't know if he'll heal today. I know God saved that guy and he was, whew, if, if you'd have known him when I knew him, it, it was not possible. But I just don't see that happening anymore. Tonight I want to challenge Are you satisfied with Jesus, but yet expecting more? You see, tonight I believe that most of us are like the disciples. We know that He can. We know that He has. But yet when a situation arises that is out of our control, we wonder if He will. And so tonight I pray that you would have the faith to believe that God can and that God will Whatever you're praying for this year, whether it is to lead someone to Jesus, whether it is to be the father or mother that God wants you to be, whether it is to be the servant that the Lord has you to be, whatever it is in your spiritual walk tonight, I pray that you will have the faith that you can know that God is at work and he wants you to be a part of it. You say, Jake, what do you mean by that? Well, I want to give you one quick example before I close. In verse 36, and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks. He broke them and what? Gave them to the disciples. Now, Jesus could have went um, Lambert's on them, right? Thrown it to as many people as he could. Jesus could have walked from person to person and gave them the bread and, and been the center of attention. But he gave it to the disciples for them to what? serve. I don't know if you know this or not, but giving out bread and fish don't seem like a real impressive feat until you know where the fish and bread came from. And friends, in our walk with the Lord, our service is nothing unless we know who we are serving for. Our serving is nothing unless we know the message that we have, the ministry that we have, the hope that we are giving. And so tonight, whether it is trying to help that single mom that lives next to you 
who has no child care and no family close by, you never know what serving that young lady might change their future. You never know what that young woman who is considering abortion and you giving to the crisis pregnancy center and that young mother seeing an ultrasound and choosing life. You never know how important that serving is. You don't know what it's like to go to that shut-in, that elderly person who has no friends, no family, and visit them and make sure their needs are met. You see, it doesn't mean very much to the world, but yet when you are doing it in the name of Jesus, it has an everlasting difference. You see, that's why the Bible says when Jesus was talking that if you have given just a cup of water in my name to the least of these, you have done it to me. You see, tonight I want to challenge our church. I want to encourage us. I want to do whatever it takes to make sure that we never forget hurting people. That we never forget that we and Jesus has compassion for them. And that when the task seems too big, or we are unable, or we can't get it done, that we have a God who can multiply what little we offer into much. And so tonight I'm going to ask that you pray out, bow your heads with me. And tonight I don't know what your struggle is this year. I don't know what your hope is this year. I don't know what your focus is this year. But I'm challenging that this would be our church's focus. And so tonight if you're here and you're saying, Jake, I don't know Jesus. I've never been satisfied. I've never been in a relationship with Him. I just don't have one. I act like I do. Friends, you can know the Bible. You can know the books of the Bible. You can name all the twelve apostles. You can know a lot about Jesus. And split hell wide open. The Pharisees and Sadducees knew the Old Testament Scriptures. But yet missed Jesus. And so tonight, my question is not, do you know about Him? But do you know Him? Can you honestly say tonight that Jake, I know I've given my heart and life to Jesus. I know I have a relationship with Him. I know that I'm forgiven. Born again. And one of these days I'm going to go to heaven with Him. Because if you don't know that tonight, you can. Tonight if you'll repent of your sins, call upon the name of the Lord, He will save you. I'd love to talk to you down front about that decision. Or any questions you might have. But tonight, Christian, I want to encourage you tonight to stay focused on the main things. To not let the bitter political differences, the difficult relationships, the good things become more important than the God things. And so tonight as we pray, I hope that you'll find an altar somewhere, whether at your seat or up here, and say, Lord, help me. Be who you want me to be. Father, tonight I come thanking you for your word. Lord, I am so thankful that I do not have to, to create sermons, to create advice, to, to create a wise and thorough saying for these people tonight. But let your, Lord, your word is sufficient. And I trust that it is able to accomplish its purposes and plans through the power and work of your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, tonight as this group of people, Lord, I believe the backbone of this local church tonight, Lord, I, I pray that you'd speak to them, Lord, in ways that would stretch their faith, 
that would cause them to come back if they have drifted. Lord, that this church would be a place where lives are changed, where the hurting have hope. Father, that we are truly in awe of your goodness, your amazing work in this coming year and the years to come. Father, I pray tonight that it would be a time of humility for myself and each and every one of us. Lord, as we are stepping out in faith, trusting you to do great and mighty works for your name and for your glory. So, Father, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for your many blessings. And I pray, Lord, now that as we enter into this time of invitation, that you would convict, that you would work, that you would move. And so, Father, we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. And I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.